another episode Behind the Vinyl with Darren and Nicholas. Nicholas, um, just had a chat with um, Bruce Kulik. That, that was good, man. That was that was a really good chat. A long one and lots and lots of details. Lots lots of details about every single song. Um, Bruce was was the guitarist when I first saw Kiss live. He was the guitarist, so uh, I've yeah. always got a bit of a soft spot for him. Um, and some some great stories, some really great stories about the whole record. Yeah, and and absolutely, he he. He even played a couple of snippets of stuff, and he played a snippet of the song Paralyzed, uh, which I think a lot of people will get a bit excited about. I've never heard that story at all. No, me neither. And as far as I'm concerned and people I've checked with, that stuff isn't out there. So, you know, you you, you better listen for that piece. Absolutely. Um, Well, we'll leave you guys to it. Uh, check it out. Here is um, Behind the Vinyl with Bruce Kulik running through Revenge, uh, the, the, the Kiss album. Um, hope you enjoy, and um, we will talk to you guys again soon. So thanks for, thanks for joining Behind the Vinyl. Um, and we're going we're gonna to dig a little bit into Revenge and uh, get some stories, get some... Uh, um, some anecdotes and, uh, it's, it's one of our, both of our favorite, you know, you know, strong albums for us. Um, so we're really looking forward to it. Thank you. Yeah. Let's start. Absolutely. Um, so let's go, let's go right back even before you joined Kiss. Um, obviously, uh, your brother Bob was involved in Kiss. How, how much did you get to, uh, get to know the guys before, before joining, you know, growing up? Just, just a little bit. I, I met Paul a couple of times with my brother. Um, and, and what was most important was, of course, um, seeing them in 78, because that, that kind of put together a much more clear package of what they were about and how, how exciting they were live. You know, and it kind of all, I made more sense of them from seeing them because I was a little bit snobby about music uh, growing up that um, I was into some of the more, you know, progressive bands and anybody using like a gimmick. I was even upset when David Bowie had like paint on his face for Aladdin Insane. I didn't understand it. You see what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but after listening to Destroyer and then seeing them at the Mad- at a Madison Square Garden gig, uh, I was certainly... It's not that I'd say I was a big Kiss fan, but I had this like huge respect for the band suddenly, and I got it. If you get what I'm saying, yeah. uh, look, I've had uh, like like an aunt of my wife, Lisa, came to see Grand Funk Railroad just recently uh, at one of the last gigs that we did, Grand Funk, and she was she didn't know what to expect. She just went more out of like, oh well, that's family. I should go see him. And then <laughs> after the show, when I met her, she was just like. I had no idea how many songs I loved and how talented you all are and how wonderful it was to see this. Thank you. You know, so, you know, lots of times people do have opinions about something that they don't understand. You know, Kiss was always more a garage band than they were a, uh, you know, big force of, you know, um, I was like really, you know, so into some of those, you know, Eric Clapton's, the Jimi Hendrix's and everything. And 
I understood Ace, but he couldn't be a guitar hero to me, but he became a respected rock icon once I understood what Kiss was really about, you know? So cool. it yeah. helped that I got that even before I was ever approached to be in the band, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Well, did, did you ever see did you ever see Grand Funk Railroad back in the day? No, but I saw videos. I remember seeing them um, and hearing them, of course, but seeing some live videos a long time ago. I don't know what show they showed it, but they they showed the the, the, the song that really matters this the, in, in the sense of my most featured track. I mean, a song that we do live, which is Inside Looking Out. Right. Which is, uh, you know, big guitar solo. And I remember seeing the energy from those guys. And I was, I loved Mel's bass and powerful drums and Farner running around the stage, you know. So, yeah, I was, I was always a fan, you know. Cool. But it's it's pretty cool that you I don't think I actually own their records. Like, I would have every Cream record, every Beatle record, every Led Zeppelin record, most Who albums. You get what I mean? And then, of yeah. course, I got into bands like Yes and uh king crimson and you know some of the more progressive rock bands you know that that uh that were a little different you know but either way i had a healthy diet of music growing up and loved the british invasion of course which is really what kiss is based on when you think about it yeah what was the um uh the, the yes was it because of the likes of steve ha steve howe and and so on and so forth your guitar playing that drove you into that progressive area oh i i thought the songs and the production were incredible and steve played differently and i have referred to this although i wouldn't say i was using some ideas that i ripped off of steve for the revenge album which is what we should focus on soon but yep. the asylum i'll just give you one tidbit like tears are falling i do a pretty interesting riff that a lot of fans you know I, I made a joke in the video and put my hand over the guitar neck which of course i don't play it that way but i was imitating what gene and paul do sometimes and um the point being that riff which i found to be very uh uh unique okay musically was yep. influenced by steve howe and if i didn't listen to yes i might not have gotten that kind of a rhythm and that kind of a wide interval riff okay so it is kind of funny and i've talked about this before and, and your show being a behind the vinyl type thing yep. um when i was asked by a local las vegas radio station recently it's torture to be asked five songs okay it drove me nuts okay but of course i found uh and one of them was a yes song and I, that's exactly what i talked about on the radio station was how steve howe actually could be a part of influencing my kiss riffs and that's pretty interesting. People wouldn't get that. You know what I mean? You wouldn't yeah. put that connection together. You know? Yeah, you say Jimmy Page or Jimi Hendrix would, would be an influence. That's Ace's heroes. You know what I mean? And my heroes, too. But the yeah. fact that I was able to borrow something different, like, like listening to Yes and incorporate it into uh, one of my most important Kiss songs, that's pretty cool.
Let's, let's jump over to the record straight away. Um, it came out in uh, May 19, uh, 1992. Um, what, what can you, um, heading into the studio, obviously the guys were back with Bob Ezrin. What can, you, uh, what can you remember about the connection with Bob again? Well, one thing everyone should be aware of is um, there was a little trepidation from Paul and Gene about working with Bob, but we had an opportunity to kind of experiment with Bob um, without doing the whole record. So in other words, the movie Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, okay, featured God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Of course, yep. So when the band was hired and, 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 and asked to do a song for that 
uh, movie, uh, Ezra was involved. And that was kind of a test just to see where Ezra was at. I, now, I had no prior experience with Ezra. I just knew he was a legendary producer. So um, ultimately, uh, of course, he did a great job. We revisited the track. The release on Revenge is a different mix, I believe, but it's the same performances, okay? Um, and uh, I think, again, uh, Paul and Gene went through The Elder. I did not. They went through Destroyer. I did not. So I can't you know, know why they might have been nervous. But apparently, the best of Bob uh, as a producer and maybe you know, his own what was going on in his life was uh not great for the elder you know so paul has always put that out there that he was nervous about using him i was very excited to be working with him but obviously like i said the movie soundtrack song was terrific there was no problems moving forward with ezrin but i I think everyone should be aware there was that little bit of behind the scenes trepidation from gina paul about it um we started working hard i mean uh ezrin's a real task uh, make, you know, you know, like he's like a school teacher, you know, or uh, he's like a, a wild professor, mad professor, you know, yeah. and and he has lots of ideas and opinions and he's absolutely brilliant. He's my favorite producer I've ever worked with. I have uh, so much respect for him. Um, he drove me crazy, but it didn't matter. He got the best of me and he made a, a record that I am so proud of. And Paul and Gene did trust him during that record. I will admit they, they let him take charge and, and call the shots. Uh, and I'm really grateful. And, and Bob was in a good place. He was not, there was no, you know, like inner turmoil with him. There was no drug <clears throat> issues or anything, which was rumored during the um, uh, elder. Okay. So he, we got the best of Bob and he had a great team. The guy that started to record the drums you know, we had a lot of issues, you know, we had a drummer that was ill and, 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 and dying that couldn't play on the record and, and who would play drums and then the songwriting and then, you know, Vinnie Vincent reappears contributing some co-writes, which was a little odd. I was always struggling to get their attention with some ideas. And uh, although fortunately I got to co-write Tough Love with Paul and, and Bob Ezrin, uh, but no matter what, that record, which took a very long time, uh, just is triumphant to me. I'm just very proud of it. But all the leading up to, like before uh, God gave rock and roll to you and, and working with S Ring, uh, what was the um, what was the talk in the band before that? Were you thinking of a new record? Were you thinking of maybe self-producing it again, as with Hot in the Shade? Uh, things like that. Yeah, and I, I, I know that the song came first, and I don't know how, I'm not sure how much was being done in the sense of an entire uh, catalog of songs to cover, you know, in other words, to create revenge. The focus first was on that song. Now, the gap between working on songs that would be on revenge, and God Gave, you got to remember, is a cover, although it yeah. is altered lyrically to, to be more Kiss-like, and, and wisely so. It was really such a terrific version and a great interpretation, I think, of a really fun song, you know, when you think about it. The, the Argent song had silly lyrics in it, which would never relate, but 
they gave you know Gene and Paul and and Ezrin the the opportunity to rewrite the lyrics to, to fit the band and the and the the vibe of Kiss, and they got a big hit out of it. So they all all benefited, but. The preparations was a lot of songwriting, but but I, I can't remember. Uh, I don't want you to think that we cut God Gave Rock and Roll at the same time as Domino and Unholy. No, no, no. Right, okay. So, but everybody was working the usual way. You know, like Gene had a lot of guys that he liked. Gene doesn't mind writing with everyone and anyone. <laughs> I can't say why nothing that I started to work on with Gene didn't turn into a song because I've had good success with him co-writing. Paul, I know I do my best with to offer my time and, and, and energy and hopefully something will, uh, you know, he'll be attracted to something, you know. Vinnie Vincent, I did see one time up at Gene's house. And I was kind of like, oh, what's that? I never thought, like, oh, he's going to get my gig. I never felt that at all. No. But I thought about it for a second. And of course, I was surprised because I know how much they didn't get along. But I could see them being willing, you know what I mean, to um, uh, see if they can write something. Because Vinny had a proven track record of great co-writes with, with Kiss, you know. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't you know, uh, see that part as a threat. You know, we want the best record we could have, you know. Uh, of course, that all fell apart by the time we were recording some of the songs. I know there was discussions with Vinny and he wasn't happy with whatever business they worked out. I don't know the particulars, but surprise, surprise. You know, it went from cookies for Gene to, you know, <laughs> them having stressful uh, battles on the phone. You know what I mean? And yep. again, I, I didn't heard the particulars, but it wasn't hard for me to figure out who okay they're talking to Vinny. that's not going to go very well for Vinny. <laughs> you, you know what i mean yeah. uh and 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 um i'm sure it probably had something to do with publishing or whatever the, the business end of it but those songs that he helped write were, were were important for the record so that's great and then we started cutting and, and i you know meaning recording and and you know once we settled on eric singer to do the bulk of the drum work we had a team, you know, obviously the band could work and we auditioned people. It was very bizarre. Uh, I was always really excited that Eric could be the drummer because I knew what he did with Paul on the solo tour. You know? Yeah. So uh, we got to work. And I have to say, uh, I don't remember the entire process, but I knew did know it took about a year. And some highlights in that was a lot of, OK, we record stuff. We knew he had great drum tracks, okay? Ezrin would not bother to move on unless the drums were right, okay? But I do remember a few different attempts at uh, fixing bass parts, uh, checking tuning better, um, and and just, just how we wound up layering the tracks. Because one very important motto that I felt was about this record was no compromise, okay? no compromise so that meant if something was just okay it was redone it had to be perfect now it and ain't easy to get everything perfect quickly so did, it did took that time. did that come from ezrin or did that come yes. from it, it come from ezrin right but totally approved by gene and paul okay they didn't argue with that and i remember having to talk to ezrin about sometimes when depending on who's going to lay down the rhythm guitar first, um, 
could matter if the base is going to work or not, you know. And I do remember that there were issues about them not being tuned well and nobody could figure it out. And I believe I remember telling Ezrin, um, you know, we're going about this the wrong way, uh, that it would be better if let me play a rhythm guitar or two, then get the bass or then put Paul on and then continue on to the bass. You know, stuff like that. And, and even if I'm not exactly 100% correct in that, I know we had tuning problems and I know I had, I had, I had uh, opinions as to how we could get past that. Because the worst thing to do is to spend time, time in the studio, get performances. Then you listen back the next day and you go like, that ain't right. That doesn't sound right. You see what yeah. I mean? And then, yep. and then that whole day was gone. And that day, you know, we're in a full-blown professional fancy studio and everything. That whole day is gone, you know. But also with with all the before Eric Singer, were there like did you did you have like a bunch of auditions with a bunch of drummers or how did all that work? Um, there was a short list of people, all professional, all named session guys. There wasn't a lot. We we got together in a rehearsal studio, just like the way Kiss would rehearse, and they came in and we played a couple of things. And you know, look, I have so much respect for session drummers. Um, you know, they can read a chart generally, they can pick up a song really fast. They generally play it right within the first couple of takes, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that they're going to fit what Kiss would be and right. suddenly replace the power of, a, of an Eric Carr, you know. Now, I let all that really be Ezrin. Ezrin brought in some of the guys he's hired, okay, and it was interesting to see that some of them were just just weren't the right fit for the material of kiss and that makes sense to me doesn't it make sense to you absolutely absolutely and eric's pedigree of bands and music was so much more on the same page as kiss so i think that's how we you know realized that eric was the right one right ainsley dunbar was a drummer right Yes, he auditioned, and I yeah. and look. He, I know he's a fantastic drummer, and yeah. it just didn't feel as good as what Eric Singer could bring to the to the band. Well, it was obviously the right choice, you know. Eric still being there to this day. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah. You can't take anything away from Eric at all. You know, he's right. he's got that, and and like you said, it's it's two different beasts: being a studio guy and being a band guy. Yeah, and, and it's much wiser that we went with the band, the guy who is most apt to be the band guy instead of the guy that is like the professional session guy, because you know what I mean. So, yeah, it worked out really well. Eric's been a huge asset for those guys and has continued to be, of course, as you know. Got no manners and I'm not too clean, but I know what I like. If you know what I mean, what do people say? Well, Mr. Can't you see? It don't mean spit to me. Want a lot of woman with a lot of love. Well, thin or sin, but it's plain to see. It don't mean spit to me.
fours, then she gets down on all fours. Let the niggas talk, but can't you see? It don't mean spit to me. been said that that you really got a lot of recognition on the revenge album and i'm just thinking as a a, a small tiny thing like uh in the song spit gene says before you do your soul it says take it bruce um i like that yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but that's really uh, cool and, and yeah, i also I mean, read that a lot of people think that uh with you and with Eric Singer, especially that that era of the band, that you made you made Paul and Gene better as well with your playing. Well, it goes both ways because I think you should be aware. Another point that I didn't get a chance to share yet was the fact that they had a real intense conversation with me about that I had to play heavier and ballsier and more intensely than ever right uh, i remember it, it kind of freaked me out because i know that they you know were very comfortable with my talent and my contribution to the band and now they're asking me to step it up more so the pressure was on and i know ezrin's in charge and i know ezrin knows a lot of famous guitar players so i was like oh shit you know i better I better do great. And I took it very seriously. Um, the upside to that was something really fascinating was the fact that now you're in an age where when you're in the studio, 
you can give somebody a digital audio tape of what you did that day. You don't go home with necessarily a cassette. Not that a cassette's a bad thing to go home with to reference and listen to, but you know the tech, the sonics of a cassette is not the same quality as a as a digital right. audio tape. Yeah, because yeah. a digital audio tape would be the same sonics of a CD. Okay, so uh, I have all these dats, which of course were transferred, and I shared them all with Kiss when Tommy was putting together the box set. I remember they were looking like if there's anything they wanted to put on there hence you know things like time travel i happen to have on uh some tape or something like that stuff like that but i gave them everything but ezra used to give me these tapes because he wanted me he knew i would archive it and never lose it and hold on to it and know where it was but they were not he didn't just give it to me to archive he wanted me go home here's the tractor on holo on holy figure out some solos you see what i mean yeah here's here's the next song Work on what you think you can bring to this song, you know, like Heart of Chrome or Tough Love or whatever. So it's giving you homework to do it, basically. Exactly, exactly. Now, of course, the amazing thing about that is the fact that uh, I now am able to, you know, share some of my guitar playing uh, that way, featuring, um, you know, my backing tracks being the actual Revenge album, you know what I mean? And that's fantastic, of course. So... Um, ultimately the, uh, uh, attitude that Ezra and Gene and Paul had to push me to greater heights and the fact that I was able to accomplish it was a, was a, a real good thing for me and the band. And, but they, they demanded it of me. If they didn't push me, maybe my playing wouldn't have been as strong. I don't know. Right. And, and where do you where do you think them demanding it? Where did that come from their mindset? Do you think they felt that this was a a, a game changer, a really important record for them? They were cer- certainly hoping that they could, you know, improve business and be even, you know, you, you know, be more respected. And bringing in someone like Bob Ezrin, having a song in a major movie that's going to be also related to the album. I, I think it was a good time for the band, uh, you know, in that way. Unfortunately, music was changing a lot then, and grunge was getting really huge. And I just don't think Revenge did as well as it should, even though, you know, I, I, I'm aware of what a, what a solid album it is from my Kiss catalog. But I think some of that had to do with just the climate of the music business then, you know. So... Um, I, I do think, and remember before I mentioned no compromise. Well, why should they compromise with the lead guitar? Lead guitar comes in, um, the you know the solo and a song. That's that's the guitar player taking the lead vocals over, right? Yeah. So he better he better say something important, right? He better sing as well as Paul. He better he better be as as gritty as Gene, you know. So it's an important role. It made sense that they demanded it of me. Yeah, but also, I mean, uh, as we said now, with, with the music climate at that moment, uh, uh, with grunge and Nirvana and all that, uh, was that something you were talking about during the recordings of the album? I don't think we were necessarily saying like, oh, you know, check this out from Soundgarden or this band or that band. I really don't think so. But, um, uh, you know, we were we had a real clear direction with the new music that was written for that album 
And I do think it's really, really uh, powerful songs that still resonate. You know, those cruise gigs that I've yeah. done with, with the, that fabulous band that I have. Man, people love that stuff. The Revenge Medley went over really well. And then, of course, we did some individual songs from, yeah. from that as well. Really, why not? I mean, that stuff is still valid as far as I'm concerned. So it was very easy to know that this record was going to be forever. Uh, I don't mean to use that Kiss title, you know, but that, <laughs> that it would be, it would be, you know, kind of, uh, there's validity in the strength of that music and it has nothing to do with what else was going on in the music scene. I only brought that up because I don't feel like the record and the tour was received as huge as the album and the tour deserved to be. And by right. the way, that Revenge tour was quite exciting. Yeah. Hell yeah. But also thinking back to the song uh, uh, Spit, because you do a bit of uh, Star Spangled Banner in there, don't you? <laughs> It's so how, funny. How did that, that come about? Yeah, you're, you're the, like the third person this week to bring it up. Well, <laughs> I actually... Um, so that was before the Star Spangled Banner was put into the live show. Yeah. I, I just love Jimi Hendrix, and I was always a big fan the Woodstock and that performance. And there were other times, and there's a couple other things I fool around with on Revenge where I actually do a little theme that I borrowed from something. There's a riff in uh, uh, Thou Shalt Not that is that ba 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 Right. Which is a, I think that's written by like a Norwegian guy. I forget the name of it, but you know, Gene knows what it is. I forgot. But I just fool around with Oh, that's Grieg. Yes. Yes. That's it. So, but I don't know. I just, I hear like a gong, gong, you know, big riff. And then like, wham, 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 you know, it gets your attention. Right. And then of course I just, you know, played on and, and did a flurry of wild riffs. But I know that once I saw that the stage was going to be this uh, statue of Liberty that then turns into the Terminator, giving everybody the uh, middle finger. Yeah. I felt that, um, hey, why don't we do, you know, the Star Spangled Banner? And I presented it to Paul, and then we started arranging it. So we're, you know, we're actually, you know, kind of like uh, on the same page about loving Jimi Hendrix and making it a part of the show. And, and of course, with the bombs and the, you know, uh, you know, kind of show that even Kiss could do in 92, uh, it worked very effectively. Very, very excited with that. You are a beast that calls me by my 
Um, let's let's talk a little bit about songs on the record. Unholy. Um, can you remember when you went in and recorded that, and and especially that your guitar on that? I do. Um, kind of like I, I I know I had to. I I can't remember if I had a demo from Gene of that one, and I don't think I do. But I know when we worked on it, the the voicings of the rhythm guitar, which a lot of people um don't don't really understand very well is is kind of unique and um it, it's extremely uh thought out the different turnarounds in the song and gene and i worked on that for quite a while in the studio and, and even though ezra was there i remember i worked on it personally with gene um what voicings and how the turnarounds of the of the, of the different little intricate verse parts because they're all a little different it's pretty pretty complex song honest honestly and uh but ezrin was a huge part of creating that solo first of all the whole long solo section which i call the frankenstein section of the song because you know just imagine like frankenstein walking lumbering towards you with his arms out that he's going to strangle you you know that's what the solo section sounds like to me there's some odd time signature in it uh, it moves around very interesting, you know, musical theory wise. OK, so I had to really come up with some interesting riffs in it. Uh, it didn't take like a, a, you know, like days or anything, but the solo had to be really crafted to fit. And uh, I'm real proud of it. I just posted it recently on social media, uh, jamming to the backing tracks I mentioned earlier, you know. And I got a fantastic reaction from the fans, of course, which is great. But it's a solo I'm really proud of. Really, really proud of it. Yeah, it's a, the solo is amazing. The song, the song is great. Look, this album you talked about the, the climate. I think it's gone on to be, you know, a, definitely a fan favorite. I'm happy about that, of course. But you know, I, you know, when it comes to Kiss, there's so many people that is just like, um, you know. Asylum is my favorite record. Crazy Night is my favorite record. Hot in the Shade is my favorite. You know, I can't, <laughs> you know, of my era, they all have their own favorites. And, you know, you know, you can't really um, fault anybody for having an opinion like that. You just have to accept that. Well, if, if I'm on it and you love it, I'm really happy. I don't care which one it is. Although yeah. uh, my answer is, what's your favorite? And, uh, you know, this highlights through all the albums I did that I'm really proud of. But Revenge, it's just there's something happened on that record where we all uh, kind of came together for a very unified effort that I'm very, very proud of. But moving on from Unholy, I mean, it, 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 it was a great way to set the pace for the album. Let's face that. Right. Yeah. Well, yes. it was also, it was also a pretty ballsy move. It was, a, it was a heavy, you know, it's setting the, setting the sound pretty heavy and yep. also Gene being the, the lead vocals on that as well. Um, yeah, but it certainly it, it came out like with that track that's going to just strangle you the second it, it uh, starts, you know, and then the video being very dark and heavy.
then we go into um, what's second on the album? Take it off. Take it off. Okay. Yep. I'm looking at my playlist. It's funny. My playlist has a lot of my um, uh, backing track ones, so the the order might be a little wiggly with my iTunes. But well, take it off is certainly uh, exciting, and Paul did a fabulous job. I think he wrote that one with Kane Roberts, who's a friend of mine. From um, he played with Alice Cooper for a while. Right. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, he knew Ezrin from Alice Cooper, of course, and that's how he got involved. Yeah, great track, actually. There's some cool stuff on that, and the soloing stuff I liked on that song. <clears throat> you know, and then the, the game of it being a, you know, stripper song live was yeah. kind of crazy, but either way, it's a catchy tune, you know. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one. I, I uh, First time I saw you was... Um in australia when you come down it, i can't it wasn't the revenge revenge tour it was kind of the uh um kiss my ass tour i think when you brought the um kiss convention down there okay and uh i remember take it off was when you'd actually get strippers up on stage yeah when you played that very distracting i wanted to play my guitar if you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i always wondered that because I, I was watching uh actually i was watching um a show today on YouTube and all that, and I you can really tell that Paul and Gene really got into all that with the girls and all that. And uh, did you feel comfortable with the girls walking around like that and the old strip? Hey, thing? I'm, I'm I'm a guy. I, I yeah. you know like I, they they were they were really attractive and all that was fine. It's just the fact that um, I basically. My guitar playing is always pretty complex on stage, so yeah. I don't want to be distracted by checking out some hot <laughs> chick's ass. It's not easy, you know what I mean. So I, I was, I was pretty mellow, you know, just keeping, keeping myself, uh, shall I say, focused on the music so that I could keep it, you know, going right. You know, that made the most sense, as you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, third, third track on the album is uh, "Tough Love." Um, and this, you, you co-wrote this with um, Paul. Yep. Um, do you want to talk us through that a little bit? How it well, all comes. Well, I had and... I had that really cool verse riff that you know, which the song starts with. Yeah. Um, and and I know that Ezrin and Paul liked it. We started working on it, and um, there was some stress in the fact that I think the original key that we wrote it in wouldn't work for Paul, and you know, Paul was just singing some of his best in his entire life, you know what I mean, uh, for that record. But Ezrin made me go home and, okay, I want you to, you know, they call it transpose, okay? Transpose the song, come back with the guitar parts tomorrow, and we're going to do it in this key, you know what I mean? And I did, you know, I, I, there was no way I wanted to lose that song, you know what I mean? So we, uh, we got it going and... Um, I know I was really proud of the track, and honestly, um, Larry Mazur, who was the producer, I'm sorry, who was the manager of the right. band at the time, it was one of his favorite tracks, and that always meant a lot to me. You know, I remember him even trying to suggest that it could be a, uh, uh, you know, like a uh, possibly a single for the band. I didn't, you know, for me, I was just happy it was there, you know, it didn't matter. But um, I just definitely... Uh, was excited to have a co-write and be involved and make it work, you know. And and the song has has some real nasty soloing in it that I'm real proud of, which is great. And uh, I think it's a great effort from Paul, 
you know, uh, vocally. It's a, it's a great song. You know, I'm very happy with it. I'm just fascinated with as 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 you grow up as a kid and you think of bands and I'm not a musician myself, but you think of bands, they record an album and then they go on tour and all that. But it's it's always so interesting and fun to hearing that you actually have homework. Oh yeah. yeah. It, look, if people think, Oh, they're such rock stars and, yeah. and everything comes so <clears throat> excuse me, easy or yeah. everything is um you just walk in and the magic happens. No. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of hard work from it, you know, I mean, to, to create it and make it make it happen. Um, yeah, I mean, we worked really hard, like I said, with that no compromise. We had to redo things. And that's a perfect example. Here's a song that we probably demoed. Maybe Paul didn't even sing it on it, but we kind of knew what the vibe was going to be. And then it's just like, oh, that key's not going to work. You know, yeah. which means you then have to completely turn it upside down. So but I but I made it happen. And and um, it's always exciting to hear that riff from Tough Love because it's just a little unique and it was definitely um, fit into that revenge, you know, groove, shall I say, you know.
Was the next one Spit? Uh, next yeah. one was Spit, yep. Uh, I, I just recorded a little isolated riffs uh, thing that I'll post online from Spit yesterday. I had some more time to do a little bit more of that. Great song from Gene. I really think uh, Gene's kind of snotty, you know, kind of personality just really shines on that in a big way. And um, I love just the attitude of the guitars and the herky-jerky um, rhythms and the, uh, I call it the sick cow chord that happens throughout the song. Yeah. Uh, a great track, great track. Um, a good side note to share about that one was there was something about the chorus that Ezrin and Paul felt it needed. And it was Paul that jumped in with, I mean, that's the song that has it. I need a whole lot of woman, right? Yep. Yeah. So Paul came up with that and Ezrin was happy about it. Though I don't think Paul asked for any co-writing on it. You see what I mean? So, right. But uh, that was an added, like, I call those things like great, like, you know, candy to, to add to a gift you know what i mean uh so the song is there and that's the the meal but then there's like the little candy or the dessert on top and you add in another element that just makes it even sweeter you know makes the song better and that was that was a good part of that i need a whole lot of woman you know yeah. that it made it really work but i don't believe that's on the demo i think that was something that came up later and i love the guitar solos crazy at it like in, in regards to um, your, your gear-wise, so far on the record, had you been using pretty much relatively the same rig the whole way through? Yeah, most of the time. I, I um, really did enjoy um, a lot of the best ESPs I had, the best Gibsons I had. Um, when you're in the studio for, for months, you can bring a lot of instruments in, you know. Um, yeah. And... We had all our marshals and different amps. Uh, by then, I was collecting a lot of stuff. So if we needed a little different sound, I'd have something for that. I think the one element that I brought into Kiss on Revenge that was a little different than some of the other records, or shall I say a lot different, and I continued this into Carnival of Souls, was pedals. And I remember telling the story how part of my reaction to them pushing me to play more intensely with bigger balls than ever was to find some unique pedals that would, you know, kind of paint the tone and make me sound even nastier and more aggressive. So that, that happened to maybe an extreme uh, degree on Carnival Souls, but you hear some of that on Revenge. Right. Yeah. Um, Ezrin also had a lot of really fantastic studio techniques. Do you realize that he produced The Wall from Pink Floyd? Yeah. And Peter Gabriel, that record with, uh, you know, on Salisbury's Hill. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy was involved with some albums that are just, you know, you know, monster records, sonically and musically. So... Absolutely, Alice say, Cooper and Deep yeah, Purple and, yes, yes. and, you know, Peter Gabriel, Lou Reed, you know. Yep. So there I'd go off and, like, 
you go like, all right, let's lay down this rhythm. And I get a great martial tone. I'm doing the rhythm guitar. And he says, all right, I'm going to double it. But I, let me just, I want to adjust one of the uh, outboard gear things. And he puts like this compressor. He puts it where you don't put it. Okay. Meaning it till it's like bleeding. Okay. You get what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pushing the VU to where it should not go. Okay. Uh, that's why the VU is there. You know, don't hit the red. You don't want that. Yeah. That's what he wanted. Okay, and then I'm listening to it, and I go, "What the hell?" And he goes, "Yeah, watch, watch how it blends in with the other track." And I'm like, "Oh my god, he's right." So in other <laughs> words, by itself, it's kind of like, "What the hell are you doing? This sounds weird." And then you blend it in, play it with the one that isn't affected that way, and it becomes magic. So stuff like that happened on Revenge that I learned from, that I'll never forget, and um, you know, talking about equipment. There you go. I also had a, I sold it not long ago because it was a beast. Uh, I mean, I got some good money for it because it's a good unit. But it was like one of these Echo, you know, chorus, rolling, gigantic tape things that was just impossible to be dragging around through my life. And um, I remember I used to use it sometimes, but use it almost as like a preamp. And that was unusual. Guitar players usually, they have their pedals. And they have their amp. Yeah. But now I'm like putting it into actually something that's supposed to give you chorus or give you a delay. And now because it has an input level, I could then fool around with that. So there was lots of that stuff going on. There's still the markings. And I've mentioned this on my social media when I've shared some of my guitars in the Kiss Guitar of the Months and stuff. Some of those guitars still have this like white tape by the volume knob where I make little marks near it. And that was because sometimes the guitar sounded sweeter rolling off the, the volume, you know. Yeah. So all those things were involved in making sonically a, a uh, tremendous record. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes unusual guitars are used, too, uh, because they have the right sound. Like the intro to Domino was on a guitar that I wouldn't play a lead on it because of the, the way the wood resonates. But it was perfect for that plucking intro to Domino. Let me tell you my story. I've got a man-sized predicament. And it's a big one. Goes like this. Yeah.
Every damn time I walk through that door, it's the same damn thing. And that bitch bends over, and I forget my name. Ow. Yeah, so the domino thing, the intro of that was a a guitar that just had the cleanest, cleanest tone. And that's what they wanted. You know, I mean, I could still sound like that through a regular amp with a little bit of distortion because it's really hard to have that clean a tone and then go into those aggressive rhythm parts, you know, which is what the record is, on top of then going into the little solo parts, you know. I think I shared a domino recently, you know. Anyway, um, it's it's a great great um, you know track that uh, that that's again like Gene really dialing it in his personality and everything and I love the way Paul's vocal blends in on the big you know B sections and then uh, the song just keeps evolving the solo section is a little bit like Judas Priest you got another thing coming but it's yeah. a real cool bed of chords for me to 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 get aggressive and crazy on and then go right back to that very soft guitar doing the intro with no distortion, you know, terrific track. I still love playing it live. It's a great song. But there's a black and blue connection right there, isn't it? Uh, with Domino? With Tommy Thayer. Well, isn't, 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 isn't it a part of a song from like, like a riff that, uh, from when Gene recorded with black and blue, their uh, oh, third right. album. I've heard people talk about that and I didn't really know the song, but yeah. He probably had, you know, like, oh, well, you can't copyright a pluck, pluck, pluck thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, if, if Tommy was ever sore about that, he certainly um, has, uh, you know, done very well by being in the band you know, all these years. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but, but Tommy did get co-writes on other records, too, legitimately. Yeah. Or, or, you know, and, and, you know, that stuff happens. But, yeah, um, Gene is known to borrow things. We all do. You know, yeah. Let's talk about Heart of Chrome because that's that's really Paul shines so brightly in that one. It's amazing. I love uh, that's such an aggressively uh, recorded track. Like it's one of the ones that when I use it as a backing track in a clinic, it's like it just the the PA sounds like it's gonna like just like walk off and you know jump in the air as soon as the song starts. You know that da 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 da. You know, it's just so huge. So proud of it. Great, great guitars on that. They they kind of move in interesting ways. They they're this Ezrin had a lot to do with. They they kind of like communicate in, a, in an interesting way and there's different moving bass lines that are really awesome. Uh and by the way, on Revenge there are some tracks that I played bass on, and one of them was Tough Love. Oh right. Oh yeah. really? Okay. Yep. Uh, but it's a it's well, I knew the song and I transposed the song and I wrote the song with them. So it was easier for me to just do the bass parts. And I played bass on every time I look at you. I think those are the only two. Right. Okay. 
I can, um, I can, I can definitely understand tough love. You know, we we did one of these with Ted Nugent the other day, and he talked about how sometimes it's his baby. You know, so he wants to wants to play oh, yeah. bass as well. Absolutely. Well, um, so I think Heart of Chrome, it had these huge background vocals, you know, that that um, I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, and we did bring in some some pros. I don't remember who they were, but we had some other people join in on those big gang vocals, you know, um, that whole, you know, I'm, and I could be confusing it with. Um, I know Unholy had a huge chant vocal too. You know? Right. Um, there's stuff like that that we, uh, you, you know, would would do. And again, that's because Esmond was this the, this the producer that would, you know, bring it where it is. You know what I mean? To 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 do the job, and and that's smart. You know, the band certainly um, uh, would would benefit from that. How could you not? You know. But what a great track, really great track.
And and you followed that with uh, Thou Shall Not? Yeah, another, like, I love when Gene gets these titles from the Bible and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, he's always real clever with lyrics and all. And um, I, I have to admit that I'm always impressed with um, how much he, you know, he spends a lot of time writing down things that strike him and then makes a note. And then um, I learned that from him, you know, keep notes, you know what I mean? And, and then you can refer to them and you have what to, you know, kind of like uh, it, what, what inspires you, you know? So uh, I, I always really like that uh, uh, title. Again, great, great, great uh, riffs, uh, uh, strong lyrics and, great attitude from him and i think he's uh you know just really really uh another great song from gene i know it's gone over so well every time we've i did it live and i've jammed it at some other events that that worked really well too you know so great song great cool next one is every time i look at you now obviously let's let's talk about a fantastic ballad from you know uh, Paul now. I mean, Paul usually is the ballad guy, of course. So I think Ezra and him knocked it out of the park with this song. And it still works stripped down and unplugged. You know what I mean? Um, Paul recently shared it on social media. Yeah. And, and Lisa and I have done it live. And we've we've rehearsed it a few times that we're going to we're going to film us doing it as well because I've performed it and people love that song. I, I actually love the MTV version as much, you know what I mean? But, but either way, you know, it's just such an incredible track. It has so much emotion. The string parts are great. And the bass playing is really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, no, it's a great song. Now, I, I will let everyone know i've talked about it before though i i don't know how many people really are aware of it but you know the the lead guitar is not me no dick wagner exactly and um you know it it's it 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 was a weird story why and how but it it absolutely you know made sense you know it it uh it was one of those situations where they were in a hurry to present some song to some, you know, record company people at A&M because they actually weren't that happy with, with Polydor, uh, Polygram rather. And, and the next thing you know, um, I was, I had a weekend off and I, I made plans with, you know, to go out of town and everything. And they were like, well, oh, we, you know, we need to present the song. This would be great. And Dick Wagner hadn't been recording in a studio next door. So it wasn't hard. They didn't have to, like, fly him in or anything. He was there, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what he did was um, he came in and, I mean, he did an amazing solo. And I'm not going to lie. I was, you know, a little shaken, a little hurt by it. Because yeah. this wasn't a situation of me not being good enough to come up with one. But it certainly was a situation where I didn't even have the opportunity. And how am I going to beat that? You right. I mean, and uh, and they did let me fool around and all, and I gave up. I just said like, no, that's the solo. And I defy you to look at or listen to rather the unplugged version that I do, and say it doesn't sound like him. You know what I mean? It does. Right. And, and 
I, I admire Dick. You know, it was very sad when he passed away, but what a terrific player and what a, what a fantastic guitarist. I, I got to chat with him and give him my BK3 uh, years back when we did a uh, gig together with Grant Funk up in Michigan. So very talented guy. If I'm going to be replaced by somebody you know, to play the lead, I, I, I would rather it be, you know, uh, someone like Dick. And he did a fantastic solo on that song. So, uh, and anyway, I got to play bass on it. You know what I mean? And, and of course, some rhythm guitar along with Paul. But the unplugged version is, is, is every bit as special in some ways, you know. So very, uh, you know, very, very, very excited that that track is, is on this record, of course. Uh, even though um, there's I, that angle. It, have, yeah, having said that, um, did you ever just discuss with Gene in regards to you playing bass on it? Did he ever have those feelings? Gene was always a team player in the sense that probably Paul and Ezra wanted me to. Okay? Right. Because um, Paul always really liked my bass playing, especially on ballads. Okay? And it, it was just the situation where uh, they knew I would, I would really make, you know, it'd be like hiring a guy to do it. And instead of doing that, just let your guitar player do it. Because when yeah. I play bass, I don't play bass like a guitar player. I play it like a bass player. I started off owning an electric bass first, you know, so I was, I love Paul McCartney and Jack Bruce and all that. So it's, for me, um, it was very natural to put a bass in my hand. That's how I, I, I wound up doing some guitar work. I mean, bass guitar work on, uh, Psycho Circus. I wasn't even in the band. They could have hired right. anybody. Yeah. So I was always um, real excited to have the opportunity and to and to do the best I could, and I did. I know some people thought I played bass on "I Walk Alone," and even though I played it on the demo, I made Gene play it. I I wanted him to play it, for example, on "Carnival Souls," even though he would have been like, "You play it," you know. So Gene was never like kind of like didn't have an ego about any of that but mm. but in this case it was always up to Ezra and if I wasn't cutting it then he would have gotten somebody to do it you know I could promise you that yeah. but um it's it's a uh, it's always fun to be able to play the bass Everything to me. Yeah. 
it to let you get inside my heart. I wanted to believe this would soon be ending. I thought it wouldn't matter if it all just came apart. But now I realize I was just pretending. You can still believe in me Cause every time I look at you No matter what I'm going through It's easy to see Every time I hold you The things I never told you was getting really popular then and there's literally um i don't gene convinced ezrin to let this guy come in and rap okay um and i i was mortified okay <laughs> not, not that i didn't think that rap was valid or interesting but it has nothing to do with Kiss, you know? Right. I mean, I see Kiss as like an ACDC. Would ACDC suddenly have some guy rapping over them? <laughs> but Gene in some way was was um, uh, attracted to the idea. And so uh, this guy comes in, you know? And, I, you know, I hated it, okay? And uh, what can I say, you know? Um, thank God we didn't use it is what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty pretty scary though to think 
that it almost happened. Okay. <laughs> and um, it, 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 you know, it certainly didn't need it. And uh, what can I say? But um, hang on a second. I see something. I don't think this is it. I did like the kind of other way that they did it, which is this crazy uh, um, him, like all those voices and everything. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, right. Very, very weird. You know, and I thought that I thought that worked. You know, absolutely. But it, it was a very odd um, thing to think about the fact that they would actually, um, you know, put a wrapper on it. I don't know. Very weird. But fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, we we moved away from that. Now that song has so many great, 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 great. Um, uh, uh, in my opinion, you know, some really terrific uh, vibes to it. You know what I mean? Hmm. Where it was. Uh, uh, I, I guess the best way to say it would be uh, it was funky in a way, don't you think? Yeah. It had this like kind of crazy. Uh, how about the beat, the breakdown of the beat, which I think um, uh, Eric did a fantastic job with the feel of that. You know what I mean? The way it just did that kind of. It's hard to describe the beat, but it's it's very unique, and I think it it really works well for the for the you know for the album. So I was pretty excited about that. So interesting song, and I think some of the solos and the chord work in it all really really interesting. You know, do so very very uh, very happy about that. Absolutely crazy song, and I I didn't think it would get the reaction it got on the cruise. To be honest, I actually didn't. You know, you guys have seen those performances, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm pretty impressed with how people just dug into it, you know, really loved it. But, yeah. um, you know, look, it, it's it's always a case of I like when we try to experiment with things. And, and I like that that they brought some elements into uh, this album, Revenge, that that were, you know, kind of unique. There's, there's a few things like that. But this this one was obviously uh, uh, Gene kind of stretching out a little bit, getting a little funky. And maybe that's how it related to this, you know, rap thing too. You know what I mean? That maybe yeah. that's part of it, I guess. It's kind did, of weird. Did, but did you did you often have to sometimes pull pull the reins in, pull a little bit, because you could see it from a different world. You know, you could see it from a little bit from looking outside. But um, did you sometimes have to Gene, especially just um, you know, like you said, this is Kiss. You know, <laughs> well, I would, um, yeah, I would, uh, shall I say, voice my opinion on occasion, but I wouldn't, you know, get crazy about it. And um, you know, I, I, in a way, I, I really doubt that Paul would have let the rap thing stay on there either. But, but Ezrin, you know, entertained Paul enough. I mean, Gene enough to bring in somebody to let let him try something. You know. So well, let, let's be honest, Gene's, Gene's done it in the past with massive success. Yeah. Maybe not on asshole, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'll give you guys an exclusive, but I'm not going to play all of it. Let me see if it comes up here. It's 
This might be a little bit of it. Find this line, you know, baby, the time is mine. Bring it to me right now. I'll show you my good kind of fit. That's enough. That's all you get. Whoa. <laughs> now, is that's that normal or not? Okay. <laughs> is that normal? No, that's not normal. Oh, it took me a long time <laughs> to find it on my iTunes, but there it is. That's crazy. <laughs> but find it's mine. It, it, it. I mean, you can tell this guy's like a real legitimate rapper you know yeah do you know I, I mean one thing's funny i just started it from hearing that so you know i did my bk3 record and gene was gracious enough to cut a track with me you know ain't gonna die it was called and yeah. uh, i remember uh because because of my kiss you know uh, uh connection you know fans in holland that i'm very tight with and there was a guy who was friends with a DJ that was a huge fan of mine. And uh, he, he he was very professional with doing remixes and doing like, uh, 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 he would work with Lady Gaga on, on a remix. And, 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 you know, just you get the tracks and then you put it all into, um, how, how do I say, you, you make it a dance beat, you manipulate the song, you make it faster, you, 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 you follow what I mean? You know, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and then it becomes uh, a different song, but of course it's related to the same song. And um, and and so I, I this guy Chufu is his name, his his you know artist name. He did that and for me, and he gave me a few different versions actually. And he wanted to work on the song with Gene, knowing you know well Gene's you know real famous and this would be great. Um, and sure enough. He had one with a rapper and one without the rapper. Okay. Uh, and Gene's favorite was the one with the rapper. And I thought that one was like really crazy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so it just kind of proved that to me that, uh, that, that he always had a, like an affection for stuff that's a little out of the box, a little different, you know? And I think I, I think I eventually, um, um, I don't think I might've shared it one time on social media and not that much, you know, but, but it was real, real interesting to, to hear the song done in different ways. I think I have it here. Hang on a second. Let me see if I can... All right. No, so that, that one is like, um, without, I think without the vocal and find this one. Hang on. You get the idea, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get born to fly. I get the killer mid-jabble peaks. I like I'm ripping the marble peaks. Welcome to the future, present, past, never last. I get my mortal, so follow me. What I just told me, I'm hard to beat. I'll never die. So there's an interesting thread between my BK3 and the Paralyzed that no one ever heard. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go.
All right, so what else is left on this fantastic record called Revenge? I just wanna and Card Jam. Well, I just wanna again uh, was one of our singles too, actually. Yeah, right? great, great, great date, song. Yeah. Live, I I should do it a little more live. It went over really well last year, um, and and I played a little bit of slide on it, you know, which is not my most comfort zone on lead guitar, but. I can imitate it without the slide when I do it live because I don't think I used the slide when we did it on a live three. I think the song was important on a live three, too. And it showed that we were, you know, obviously still committed to um, our uh, our album release. You know what I mean? Because yeah. sometimes, the, you know, Kiss would not be supporting the 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 not play enough songs from the record that we just put out. You know, right. So that that's why I was very happy that was being used. Um Real catchy tune, you know. I really, really like a lot of my riffs in it. it, it um, has has a great uh, that chorus is great. People love it, and I know it went over really well. And we did we did some of the breakdown in that live. I mean, you, you know, songs are always uh, obviously enjoying an album and with the different tracks that this album has. More, you know, some of them are more enjoyable live than even in the studio so i find that i just want to you know serves up a great vibe on the record but it was just destined to be a live track too so uh that that's a great 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 song uh, paul did a great job with that i think that one was a vinnie vincent co-write right it, it was <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah. and i can I, I love the tongue-in-cheek you know i just want to pull you know yeah. <laughs> you know i i love when kids can get away with that if you so. And they sure sure did, you know. Yeah. Um, and then last car jam, which was bittersweet. Yeah. So we uh, go through the tra- the trauma of uh, losing Eric and taking a break and going to his funeral. And then the first day back in the studio, uh, they already kind of realized that they had, you know, this uh, performance of him. In, in on a on a multi-track tape, a drum solo from something that became Breakout with Ace, you know, uh, and that we were going to make it our own, you know, and they threw me basically to do the job, you know, I I had to do the guitar work and I, I would imagine Gene fixed the bass, you know, um, I don't think it was the same performance, but certainly all the guitars were new and it was it was I'll, I'll say this. It was stressful, but I was happy to be working in honor of losing someone that's a family member instead yep. of just being, you know, <laughs> tragically sad. How could you not be sad? It was horrible. You know, yeah. I can't even tell you how, how awful it was to go to a funeral. Um, and and he was Italian, buried Italian, open casket. Ay, ay, ay. You know, right. and I'm looking, yeah. looking at him with Paul and. It was just surreal. The whole thing was surreal. But anyway, um, that song, I feel, is a fitting tribute. Um, and having his presence on the record, and then, of course, including him having the opportunity that he got to play drums for the video for God Gave, since that song was was out sooner, you know, yeah. was also, yeah. also a big blessing. So I'm very, very, um, very glad that Eric Carr got represented on this record. And there's also a really fantastic other thing that he's involved in. Uh, uh, let me see if I, uh, this I can easily pull up. Um, but, but again, the song was all about 
uh, a, a tribute to Eric. You know, how else can you attribute him? It's best you could write the most touching words, but if you could share some music of his to be included in this, that certainly is a uh, a great way to um, show our respect to him. Did did it also did it give you a little bit of like emotional closure just to be able to include him in this? Yes, and I was happy. I was demanded to jump in first, if you know what I mean, because it really did um, uh, kind of um, take my mind off of the tragedy. You know, yep. here, listen to this. To everyone, he gave the song to be sung. To everyone, he gave the song. To be sung. Save rock and roll for everyone. Save rock and roll. So you see, that's the breakdown in that to everyone. Yeah. Featured Eric. Um, Eric had a, a different kind of soft, sweet voice. And then Paul coming in with that doubled save rock and roll. Which may, I mean, there could have been someone else blended in there. I don't know. I can't remember. But that's another sample that I got from Ezrin uh, from the Revenge Dat tapes that I told you about. Yeah. And, and what I do when I do my clinics um, performances, I'll play that, but actually play the, the gentle picking part behind it. And people can hear, you know, the stripped down Eric and uh, and Paul like that, which is pretty touching for everybody and it means a lot for me to be able to share a little bit of those kind of things with the fans of course because yeah that's truly a glimpse behind behind the curtain you know what i mean of of uh such a great record it really cool. is it yep. really is uh, i'm thinking uh, the title of the album revenge where did that come from a friend of mine said it did it have something to do with being back with esrin after the elder and all that or I just think it's a strong word that represented that, that we, uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I always looked at it cause I can't remember and I'm pretty sure Paul came up with it, but I do think it was just more like, you know, that whole thing, I'm going to get my revenge by showing everyone. I mean, I love right. Frank Sinatra, one of his most famous, uh, uh, you know, uh, quotes is something to do with like, uh, the best revenge is massive success. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he he was criticized so much too, like Kiss isn't criticized. Oh my God! You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you know from from Rolling Stone magazine hating us to, yeah. to fans having a friend that they suck. You know what I mean? Fuck you! You know what I mean? They get they get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So come on, you know, perfect title for an album that you're gonna um, make no compromises with, uh, and and make sure that every song. Uh, has an impact and means something and that's that that's our revenge but but i'd see it as a sweet revenge it's not an angry thing it's just saying hey we're 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 here we we're valid we mean business and that record certainly represented everything amazing about kiss from yeah the, just not only the message of what kiss wants to present itself as because we are like a positive kind of like in your face tough stand up for yourself enjoy life and 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 go for it kind of band and at the same time backing it up with great songs and 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 
gentle moments and sensitive moments and powerful moments and evil moments. You know, I mean, there's, it's such a very fantastic record. And I, there's so many highlights. I, lo I love, you know, for me, I like to say God Gave Rock and Roll to You is the, um, you know, kind of like the theme song for my era of Kiss, you know. Yeah, with that such a big title and such a great performance and song. Uh, and rock and roll all night would be the one for the entire Kiss history. But for my era, that's one of the ones that I just think sums up what Kiss represents, you know, that that we all love our rock and roll. And um, it's a joyous kind of thing. And that's why people are responding to music so much in, in this current pandemic. So, so yeah. I think you guys got plenty of me from revenge here guys we, we got plenty <laughs> this this is amazing you know and, and and you can hear it in the way you talk about it and the way as fans we feel that the band seemed so harmonious during this time you know it seemed we really... got along and we we were working hard and knowing that we had someone else to call the shots i i find the band works best actually when we do have a producer although yep. even on asylum and and uh, Asylum, Paul was kind of in charge, you know, and yeah. even though Gene had his songs, Gene was definitely more distracted by his career with, with the movies and whatever else he was getting into. But but yeah. certainly Nevison was very strong on Crazy Nights and, and Ezrin was real strong here. And I'm not saying the records that were produced by Gene and Paul suffer, but I, I always liked it when we had somebody else because it, it made it made the mommy daddy thing of Gene and Paul be be less them against each other you know right I mean, there was someone else that could could kind of reel them in of their of their wants and their needs and their fears you know you yeah. know and they both always had their concerns uh even when they're being produced but but i find that they get a little too competitive in a weird way when they're not being produced by somebody professional so right uh, that's why i i i learned a lot from nevison and i learned even more from Ezrin, but I really welcomed us to be produced because I felt that um, the dynamics would be better for the band. That's all. Yeah, yeah. But also like the, 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 just finally, the, the Revenge Tour was also, you, the band was on fire, great set list, great stage show. Uh, it was just killer. Yeah, I, I do feel like we had a terrific uh set list and we had good direction and um uh there was no you know uh, no way that you couldn't take that seriously seeing that stage uh, no. design and uh, our clothes were tough and you know kiss was back in a real important way at that era and i think the only thing that just took away some of the shine was the fact that the music in general in rock was being much more seattle flannel shirt yeah you know what i mean and some of that music's fantastic don't get me wrong but i'm just looking at like you know was there something that didn't make us quite that trendy or popular at the time and unfortunately that really um it made all the hair metal bands look a little bit out of place although i always thought that kiss transcends all that because of the unique nature of gene and paul and the history of the band that we always stood out anyway but yeah. it was there was a certain element of that that uh, uh made it harder you know but still very proud of all that we got a live three out of it and onward and upward so thank Absolutely. you guys so much 
Bruce, thank you so much for your time. Thank this you. Absolutely amazing. Um, okay. And we, we just tell all the listeners, definitely go and uh, uh, dig into this. This is this is a great record and um, and um, so it served us really well as fans over the years and everyone should listen to it. And thanks for your time, man. All right. Thank you. Thank you.